In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who bore the cross that we could not, so that we can bear our own crosses. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, about 200 years ago, in the 1800s, there was this guy named Soren Kierkegaard. And Kierkegaard, he had this, uh, he was a philosopher in a very Lutheran country, actually, uh, the country of Denmark, which at the time was very, very Lutheran in background. And he was a philosopher, but he was also a Christian, and kind of a disgruntled Christian at that. When he looked around at the Christians that he saw in his native Denmark, he said, this is not the Christianity that I read about in the New Testament. In fact, he got even a little bit more brash than that. He said that most of the Christians that he knew were just parade ground Christians. That they were Christians who were wearing the uniforms, but their weapons had been purposefully dulled for the spectacle. It's kind of a biting thing to say. And you can kind of get an image of that if you've ever seen a military drill team practice. If you've ever seen one of those teams that they'll come out and they'll bring those guns out that they have with them and they'll spin them around and they'll do all sorts of amazing things. All sorts of amazing, spectacular things. And those men and women that are on those drill teams, they are disciplined. They have been working on what they do for a very, very long time. And they're all in step, and they're all timed just perfectly. But none of that really does a whole lot for you on the battlefield. In fact, if you walked into the battlefield and you started spinning your rifle around, well, not a whole lot would happen that was good to you. In fact, even if you decided that you wanted to pick up that rifle at some point, you would find that those rifles are not really made to fire. Instead, they're just replicas balanced for the show. There's no way that they could fire. Sometimes, looking at that spectacle, you can maybe draw some very, very uncomfortable parallels to the church, just as Soren Kierkegaard did. And Soren seemed to be echoing some things that Jesus himself was saying in our Gospel reading. Because at this point in our Gospel reading in Luke 14, Jesus is traveling around and the first thing that we find out in this Gospel reading is that there is a large crowd following Jesus. There's a large crowd following Him just waiting for Him to do something spectacular. There's, they're waiting to see another miracle. They're waiting to see water into wine again or another leper get healed or something else. Or maybe they're just waiting with bated breath for one of those Pharisees to show up and for them to ask Jesus a really stupid question like they seem to like to do and for Jesus to rattle back at them some remark that puts them in their place. 
And they're there to watch the spectacle. And Jesus has had enough. Jesus turns around and says, and He says, if any of you do not hate your mother and your father, your brother and your sister, even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. It's not about spectating anymore with Jesus. In fact, it's probably, the reaction of the crowd is probably much like if Jesus had pulled out a real gun at one of those military drills. They're probably a little bit shocked, a little bit put off, a little bit wondering, what? Perhaps like you were. This is one of those great instances in our liturgical system where, you know, I read the gospel and then I say, this is the gospel of the Lord, and you say, praise be to Christ. Well, at the end of these kind of gospel readings, at the end of this one that ended with, unless you give up all of your possessions, we all kind of want to say, this is the gospel of Christ? I have to hate my mother and my father, my brothers and my sisters, everybody. I have to give up my own life. I have to bear a cross. And I have to give up everything that I have. This is the gospel? What's the law? But there is some gospel in there. I promise you. There is a lot of law. And Jesus is saying these things that, if we're honest, they probably offend us. Jesus is saying some things in this gospel lesson that we probably don't want to hear. That probably make us a little bit edgy. And the reason perhaps that they make us a little bit edgy is that we look at the cross that we are carrying. The cross that we are called to bear. I mean, if you look throughout the centuries of Christian history, you have all of these people who bear their crosses, who prove what Jesus is saying. Even His own disciples write at first. If you look at how they died, you have Andrew who was crucified on an ex shaped cross. You have Peter who was crucified upside down next to his wife. You have Bartholomew who was probably flailed alive and left to bleed out. You have John who very likely was boiled in oil and didn't die and because of that they exiled him to the island of Patmos and it just goes on and on from there and it doesn't just stop with them throughout the centuries martyrs have borne the cross and given up their very lives in countries throughout the world including this one And so, you might wonder, 
Well, <laughs> is that what I'm supposed to do? Am, am I supposed to go out and get myself killed for being a Christian? Is that finally how I'm going to bear my cross in a way that is God-pleasing? Not necessarily. Our culture doesn't really need a whole lot of people to die so that Christianity can get on the news. But our culture does need a lot of people that are willing to tutor in the inner city to kids that don't know Jesus. In our culture, there are there is a lot of need for people like you to have real friendships with somebody else when everybody else is getting used to virtual friendships. In our culture, there is a real need for people to talk about the fact that they're Christians and what that means to them. In our culture, there's a lot of need for people to do well at what God calls them to do, whether that means you're a scientist or a lawyer or an English major or another student. See, I can't stand up here and tell you just blanket that I know what your cross is to bear. In fact, some of you, I can maybe guess at what that is, and some of the rest of you, I, I would need to get to know you a little bit more. But you know. And I can tell you this, there is one cross, the end result of that cross, that I can tell you that we all bear together. And that's God's law. That's this body of stuff that God expects from us. Which Jesus summarized as loving God with all of your life. And loving your neighbor with all of your life. And so what Jesus is saying here is that bearing your cross means to give up your life so that you can love God and love your neighbor with that life that you've given up. Crosses are never easy to bear. It means giving up the sins that you commit day in and day out including those sins which have to do with the things that you're not doing and perhaps you should be. Crosses are not easy to bear, and they make every one of us, including myself, a little bit edgy. But there is gospel. There is a reason that I said at the end of this reading, this is the gospel of the Lord. But it's not really apparent in the translation that we're using for this gospel reading. Because if you see in that translation, if you want to look it up, it says, you must bear the cross. Well, that's not actually what Jesus said. If you look at the original languages, they translated it that way, but what really is being said here is Jesus says, the one who wants to follow me must bear his own cross. His own cross. Because Jesus knows 
You can't bear Jesus' cross. You cannot die for the sake of the world to be saved. You cannot die for the sake of somebody else to be saved. You can't even die for the sake of yourself to be saved. But He did. And because of that, there's this beautiful thing called the resurrection. And that's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference because you'll live your life in a completely different way if you actually believe that you are going to raise from the dead. You will live your life with a sense of almost reckless abandon. If you truly have faith that every time you repent a sin, that on the other side of that, Jesus Christ is raising you into new life so that you can live again. And that He's doing that over and over and over again until the moment that you die. And I do your funeral and we put you in the ground. But there's still hope there because we know that one day Jesus will come back and you will raise up out of that tomb. In a world with no sin, in a world with no crosses, in a world with no death, but only life and light and resurrection. There was a little nine-year-old girl who had a form of juvenile leukemia. Her name was Susan. And Susan had just, her and her mom had just found out that she had leukemia. And they were talking about, with the doctors, all of the things that they would have to do because she had leukemia. And they were going through all of these things, and the mom was trying to listen to what the doctor was saying and and thinking through those things and all of the big words that the doctor was saying. And she was just trying to figure out how she was going to tell her little girl this. And the doctor left and he went out of the room and she said, I don't think she really understood everything that she's going to have to go through, so I'm going to have to tell her. And with pain in her heart, she starts asking these questions. Honey, the the doctor said that, well, that you're going to be very sick for a long time. And you're not probably going to be able to play like other kids do. Do you understand that? And she says yes. And she, the mother goes on and she says, Honey, also, you're going to have to be in this hospital for a long time and I don't know when you're going to be able to come back home, but you're going to have to probably come back here sometimes. and it's, You're going to get used to this hospital place and I know you don't like it, but we're just going to have to get through this. Do you understand that you're going to have to come back to this hospital? And the little girl says, Yes. And finally the mother, fighting back tears in her eyes, says, Honey, I just have to tell you this. I don't know if you're going to make it, if you're going to live past this year. And the doctor doesn't know either. Do you understand that? 
And the little girl kind of nods her head. But she says, But I know that no matter what happens, I'm going to live forever someday with you and Jesus. That's the resurrection. That's the hope in the midst of the cross. Whatever you have to bear, you know that you'll live with Jesus forever someday. Because He loves you enough to go through a cross. Amen.